Hello, everybody. You're listening to Amplify the Arts, a place for artists and art lovers of all kinds to gather, hear stories, and be inspired to amplify the arts in their own lives. I'm Sarah Dudnitz, a pageant girl, communication specialist, and all-around artsy-fartsy kid, and I am so happy that you're here. Before we dive into it, I would love for you to take a screenshot of your screen right now and share it on your Instagram story, tagging us at Amplify the Arts so that we can thank you and keep in touch with you there. All right, everybody. Hello and welcome to Amplify the Arts. Um, I am here today with a good friend of mine, Emma. I should really know how to pronounce your last name. Seidel? Seidel? Seidel. You got it. Seidel. Yay! First guess. Um, So I am fortunate enough to know Emma from the pageant world, like multiple other guests that I have. Um, And honestly, Emma, if I'm being truly transparent, which I try to always do on this podcast, you intimidated me so much when I first started competing as a Miss. I think like my first year at Miss Michigan, which like in hindsight is so funny, but um, yeah, just throw that out there. Funny. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Times have changed. Um, But I've just seen your talent and your dedication um, through and through everything you do. And I admire you so much. So I'm excited to sit down and chat with you. But if you want to go ahead and tell us a little bit more about yourself, I would love that. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me first off. Yeah. And second, there's zero reason. And I mean, zero reason this girl should ever be intimidated by anyone. <laughs> oh <laughs> so my gosh. I never want to hear that come out of your mouth again. Um, <laughs> but that it really is super nice and super sweet. But um, like she said, my name is Emma. Um, we, we met through pageantry, but I think it's been really cool to watch our lives grow and to watch ourselves really just bloom in so many different avenues. I mean, now you're doing podcast land and I'm working in the legislature and, you know, we both did our PR thing and, you know, it's just been a really cool journey. And so this is kind of a really full circle moment and something that I'm really excited to do with you today. For sure. So what are you up to? What do you do? Yeah. So I graduated with a degree in public relations from Wayne state this May. And like every COVID graduate, I kind of went into a little panic and it was very difficult to job right away. And so I ended up uh, working on a campaign for Samantha Stuckloff, who actually was a former Miss Oakland County, which is crazy because I was Miss Oakland County. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that so funny how like people think, I don't know, people don't think much about pageants, but once you compete, there's connections everywhere you go. Out the wazoo. I mean, it's insane. So she was a former Miss Oakland County. And so we, we had a lot of ties to each other. um, And it was just really nice to be able to have that bond in a very silly way. You know, I feel like everybody says that, but it's very true. Mm -hmm. And so I started working on her campaign for a state representative. And I thought to myself, this is kind of cool. This is kind of fun. It's, it was different and competitive in a weird way, but something that I felt like I had a voice in. And so my life in politics just kind of kicked off and I started working with her and then I started working on other campaigns and it started to just spiral. And so as of two weeks ago, I started working with the Michigan House of Representatives, which is, it's incredible. And so I'm there, I'm a legislative aide. So I do a lot of things with constituents from dealing with a lot of issues that they may be having in their communities to um, unemployment right now, which is a huge thing. And also working with her on creating legislation, which is just really phenomenal. Oh my gosh, you are the coolest. 
You're the coolest ever. So one thing I know when you compete in pageants, um, your talent is dance. And I know that that is such a huge part of your life and always has been. Um, why, why dance? Like what keeps you dancing? Yeah, I actually teach dance right now too. That is also one of my side gigs with all the free time <laughs> that I have. Right. Because I have That's so much I- of that. <laughs> That's what I say too when I tell people like, oh, I also run a blog and a podcast in yeah. all my free time, you know, because I have so much. <laughs> We're swimming in free time. Of course. So yeah, I grew up dancing. I danced somewhere between 25 to 30 hours a week, which was um, a lifestyle choice to say the least. I would leave school at two o'clock and get to the studio at 2.30 and then would not be done until 9.30 every night. And it was Monday through Friday, and then you competed Saturday, Sunday. So it was something that I think in a weird way I identified my, I, you know, associated my identity with, you know, I would say I'm a dancer. And that was, you know, what I got instead of, hi, I'm Emma, nice to meet you. It was, oh, I'm a dancer. Mm-hmm. That's life for me. Um, but so I think now I am kind of learning how to disassociate myself from dance in a, identity way, right? So I'm not as much associating my identity with dance in the same way that I used to, but what a really cool thing for myself is is that now I get to teach. And so I get to be able to empower and encourage and um, have a voice for young women myself who love to move and be sassy and spend time in a studio in the same way that I did. And so in a really cool way, it it is something that I feel I'm able to give back through um, because it's something I'm so passionate about. But I think dance for me right now is just a stress reliever. In all Mm -hmm. honesty, it's just nice to move. It is so nice to move your body and in a way that isn't lifting weights, which I've never loved. So uh, for me, it's just a big stress reliever, which um, I hope I always have in my life. Mm -hmm. I think it's so interesting that you hit on the idea of like the arts or really any hobby, anything becoming so much of our identity. Cause I've had that happen with, I used to dance as well. And especially pageants. Cause in college it was always hard for me when I would spend, you know, like all of Thursday, Friday, like packing, preparing for a pageant. And then all of Saturday, going, being in a pageant. And then Sunday you're like recovering. I always say I have like a pageant hangover because the day after a pageant is always like exhausting. (laughs) And (laughs) it's just like, it was so hard to like sit backstage in the dressing room. And like, I would scroll through social media and see all my friends out doing fun things together. And like, you have to make so many sacrifices. And especially when you said you danced like all night, every night, Monday through Friday and Saturday, Sunday for so long, there's so many sacrifices. And I think in the last year that 2020 has been I can't wait until we like don't have to talk about 2020 anymore but it's still such a thing Mm -hmm. um I feel like in one way or another we've all sort of had to deal with that like loss of our identity whether it's like I'm not a college kid anymore and that was so much of my identity or I haven't done a pageant in almost a year and that was so much of my identity or anything like that so I don't know what has that been like or what has helped you remember who Emma is apart from being a dancer? Oh, wow. That's That's a big question, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Come on, Sarah. (laughs) No, you know, and that's a, that's a really tough question because I think that, 
I got injured and it was something that was super, super hard on me. And I think part of it was because I did associate my identity so much with dance and it was all I ever knew. And it was all I knew I wanted to do with my life. You know, I grew up in eighth grade. I said, I'm going to go to a performing arts school and I'm going to major in dance. I'm going to be a professional dancer and I'm going to be on this cruise ship and I'm going to be on this Broadway show. And I mean, I could have told you every dang thing I was going to do to a T. And it was not, you know, it was going to happen, no questions asked. And so I was eight weeks in, in college, my freshman year, and I came to jump and I felt something crunch in my foot. And I kind of just said, oh, I sprained it. No big deal. I'll get it taped, whatever. And at the time I knew something was up, but I, you know, I didn't want to really address it because if I addressed it, I didn't get to dance. So 18 months go by. I don't address it. Still haven't it, addressed it. Did it hurt that whole time? So bad. Oh I mean, gosh. so painful. And I had been to something, something like 30 doctors in three states, which was crazy. And oh, no one hurt. could really identify what it was. They kept saying it was instability. You know, you need to strengthen it, blah, blah, blah. I, 18 months go by, I competed at Miss Michigan with a broken foot my first year, which was crazy. Oh my gosh. Yes. And wearing heels. All I can, oh, I can't oh, even imagine. That sounds so it was, it was awful, but, um, I'm getting off topic a little bit, but You're basically fine. all this time goes by and I had to really struggle with the fact that I could feel my dream deteriorating right? I could literally feel it every day deteriorating. I could see my inability to stay through an entire class. I couldn't get through an entire performance. There was zero way that I'd be able to dance professionally in the way that I wanted to, or in the way that I identified myself as being this amazing professional dancer. And so for the first time, I had to start figuring out other things that I was interested in or passionate about. And, um, that was a very dark time because, you know, you're alone in a city by yourself. I lived in Pittsburgh with, um, I had some phenomenal roommates, but at the time, you know, you didn't, I was 19, 18, 19, and didn't have, you know, an adult figure to kind of say, we'll get through this. You know, it was just, you're alone in a city by yourself and having to figure all of it out. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it was a very dark time. So for me, what I actually started to identify with was empowering women and encouraging women. And um, part of it was that I saw the way that women were sexualized in dance. Mm. And I saw the way that women were um, treated in the arts at times. That was extremely frightening to me because I was someone who believed in empowering women's voices and amplifying their voices and giving them a safe space to create and to just be, you know, and that was something that I saw was very concerning because it was no longer a safe space for women always. I mean, some, you know, some spaces are, but there was a large handful that made me very nervous. And so, um, I started to identify as this little activist. I kept saying, you know, I'm going to empower women. I'm going to encourage them. And I think that's where I sort of just spiraled and, um, I think it kind of gave me an outlet and it gave me a new identity and a new purpose. And so through one heck of a lot of heartache, we were able to figure out what was next. So um, that was a very long-winded answer, but <laughs> it was one of those things where, you know, it was, it was a lot of 
trials. It was a lot of um, hurt to figure it all out. But mm-hmm. um, now I'm very thankful I did. Oh, good. It's always so funny <laughs> when I like ask a question that I wasn't intending on asking or that like someone wasn't prepared for because like some people get nervous, but then it's usually like the best answer <laughs> or like the deepest. Yeah. It's awesome. I love it. So it's thank you so much. Are- Of course. I think it's important too, because we live in such a highlight society and I know we, you know, it's so easy to talk about this, but I think it's, it's more, I'd rather have these conversations, right? Where you dive deep into why someone is the way that they are. So. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. Of course. These are my favorite conversations to have. And I love getting to learn about people. Um, Let's see what's next. So you um, said that you teach dance and I have taught dance as well. And I just remember um, it's been a couple of years, but just the joy that I felt like getting to invest in these girls and watch them grow and to be able to be alongside of them. Um, Do you, especially since empowering women is something that is so close to your heart, like why, why do you love teaching dance? Do you see that as sort of like a space where you get to empower them? And what is that like? For sure. Absolutely. That's my short-winded answer. (laughs) My (laughs) (laughs) long-winded is that, you know, in a weird way, I think the arts can also silence voices. Mm. It's very, very, very easy into a room and be told what to do. You know, how many times we walked in and a choreographer says, step touch on the count of eight. And if you step, step touch on one instead of eight, uh, we'll, we'll hire somebody else, right? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. it's that cutthroat and it's that silencing and um, that minimalizing. And so in my classes, I just really try to amplify their voice in a way that makes them feel as though they can have a say in how class goes. So maybe... You know, it's not as though if we're doing abs, they get to skip out on their abs, right? <laughs> right but it's, right. More, it's more as though it's an environment that's inclusive and you can show your emotions. And if you had a bad day, show me you had a bad day. You know, you're allowed to be a human versus you're a face and a body and we'll pick somebody else if you're not it, right? Mm-hmm. So I just try to make sure that we are constantly empowering young women to be who they are versus what... Miss Emma may say that she wants you to be, right? Right. As cliche as that sounds. So (laughs) just constantly making sure that they feel comfortable being themselves. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I love that. And I think I, in my history in the arts, it's always, I was never a competitive dancer. It was more of just, we put on a recital at the end of the year and that kind of thing. So I never, um, it was, it was always a safe space for me. It was never sort of uh, as, cutthroat as I think once you sort of advance or you start to pursue it as a career, um, it can be. So it's, it's so interesting to learn about that from your point of view, but to jump back a little bit, you sort of mentioned, um, how you started to learn about the hypersexualization of girls and, um, body image issues that often come along with dance or with a lot of performing arts. Um, do you want to maybe tell a little bit more about what that journey of learning about that was like and sort of how you're working to combat it and work against it now? Yeah, I can remember being at competitions and little girls would come on, you know, four or five years old and they would come on in a tube top and Spanx Mm -hmm. and that, that was all. And I remember I was always dressed very 
um, conservative. I didn't have a two-piece costume and, and I mean, it, it was still mesh. So it wasn't even really two-piece, but yeah. it was a two-piece costume until my senior year, really. I, we just tried to make sure in the environment that I grew up in that I was still very safe in the way that, you know, you weren't exploiting um, the individual that you were at a young age. And so when I would see young girls come on stage and be in very little clothing and be dancing provocatively, um, to songs that were very much not appropriate for their age group. I remember just thinking to myself, I wonder what this little girl is thinking. One, you know, she probably doesn't even really know because they're typically so young. But two is, what does that do for the mental state of that child when they're older? And I think it's a conversation that isn't had enough. And so there's several organizations out there. There's one um, called YPAD, and it's run by Kat Cugliandro. She's amazing. She's absolutely phenomenal. She's all about protecting young, young dancers from exploitation, which is a huge thing. And um, there's tons of organizations that are starting to raise voices on this topic. But I think it's something that we should just be mindful of. Um, I think it's something that I, in my classes, try to really make sure that the music is appropriate, that the costume is appropriate, and that no young girl feels as though they're being exploited, and that no parent feels that their daughter is being exploited. I would never, ever want to be that educator. And so I just try to be very careful, and I think that um, I am just really trying to whenever I can have the chance to speak to educators or to other artists to make sure that they're aware of it too, because the first step of advocacy is awareness, right? So being able to promote the message and being able to say, you know, let's, let's make a change together or um, let's try to combat this issue is probably the easiest way to go about it. So mm-hmm. I think um, it's interesting to me anyway, that there are so many things that we just, don't talk about whether they're taboo or it's just, that's way too messy of a topic. I'm not going to get involved. Um, Why do you think that it's not talked about enough? Yeah, I think it comes from a big, much larger issue of exploiting young girls really in social media, in ad campaigns, on TV. I think it comes from a much larger issue, but then dance competitions award that. They, they award, they award that. So if you were to say in a critique, you know, I really wish these girls were in age appropriate costumes, or I wish that this song was age appropriate, I think there'd be a larger change. So I think it starts with accountability, holding mm-hmm. dance teachers accountable and saying, unfortunately, we can't give you the score that you wanted because you put these girls in a dangerous situation. So I think that if we were to start seeing that change, we would see more of a systemic change for the long run. Yeah. And you even mentioned, I just thought of like eight follow-up questions, but we'll see where we end up. Um, You and I are both public relations majors. Um, I work in social media right now, and I know that you are super active on social media as well. So, I mean, that's like a whole other beast to tackle. And, you know, I get on, I get on TikTok and it's like these girls who are younger than I am doing these dances that my parents would never, ever let me do or post online, sing, you know, lip syncing these songs that are just absolutely horrible. And I just think you're right. It is such a big cultural issue. And on TikTok, we award that with likes or comments or follows. And 
True. Oh, I mean, where does it even start there? Like that's, I don't you know, you're right. And that just opened up an entirely different thought process in my brain because I've seen so many young girls dance inappropriately or dance provocatively on TikTok. And I, to be very honest with you, didn't even think of it as being part of the, the same problem, but you're right. So that just opened a whole new world for me. <laughs> that could be like a whole other podcast. So <laughs> maybe sure. table that for now. Um, and another question I had is just how, well, you've kind of already hit on this, but we'll see if you have um, anything else that you'd like to share. How can we all do better, whether it's dance teachers or parents or um, literally anybody? Yeah, I think one of the, the biggest things for me, specifically with the arts, is there's this obsession with perfection in the arts. And I think we forget that the arts are meant to be imperfect and they're meant to be, as I say, a blessed mess. You know? I love it. I love that. It, it really is. It's, it's meant to be something that you fall on and it's meant to be something that has emotion and it's meant to be raw and it's meant to be dirty. And at Point Park, when I was there, we used to say it's meant to be granola, right? Because it's just meant to be crunchy and messy. Okay. I love that. Um, which is so funny, but so accurate, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I think that if we were to be able to push the arts into a new decade, we would say we need to move away from perfection in the arts and obsessing, obsessing over perfection because that really doesn't get us anywhere. Mm-hmm. And so, I think, yeah, paired with the perfectionism is like the idea of it's very performative. And obviously if you're dancing, you're going to literally be performing and that's one thing, but now it's I feel like it's more about like, what does this look like to others? And can I post a video of me doing this on social media and how many likes will it get versus what is this doing for my soul? And is this good and healthy and healing for me? So, oh, such a good conversation. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Let's see where to go from here. Let's switch gears. How has 2020 slash beginning of 2021 um, been for you? And in any challenging times, have you found yourself sort of leaning on the arts to sort of help get you through? Even some, sometimes I think about like, we turn to like the shows that we binge watch on Netflix or singing our favorite songs or things like that just to help us get it, get us through the day to day when things are rough. Yeah. Um, it's, it's funny. There's 20 different things that just popped in my head. <laughs> Part of it is that 2020 came in so many different phases. You know, there was the, oh my gosh, we're going home phase, which meant that my life resorted on Zoom and teaching dance class on Zoom and keeping kids interested and engaged on Zoom, which was, it's a battle and a half. And I applaud educators everywhere for being able to do that all day long. Amen. And then there came the, it's safe to dance in public now. And we're going to be socially distanced and wear masks. And for me, I didn't realize I rely so much on people's facial expressions. And I can get through a class. If it's a very tough class to teach, you know, you might say it's it's a long class. Mm 
or a long day at the studio, I rely on those aha moments on kids' faces, or I rely on being able to see that they're struggling. And when you put a mask over their nose and mouth, it takes away more than half of their performance ability. So Mm -hmm. I, I couldn't be able to interact with them in the way that I normally would be able to. And as an educator, it put me in a really interesting, interesting space. Um, and then came the back to Zoom and then, you know, it just kind of started to, the, to do the cycle. But for myself, not being an educator, if I was just going to be Emma for a second, I think that the biggest thing for me was being able to just be in a space and say, I'm going to take five minutes and I'm just going to put on a song and I'm just going to move. And I don't care what it looks like. I'm not going to record it. No one else needs to see it. It's just for me to be. And that was a huge thing for me this year was either I was in the studio or I was in my parents' bedroom recording for my classes or whatever it might have been. That was a huge thing was just learning to be in my movement, to just be in whatever headspace I was and to just let it happen. Mm -hmm. That's so beautiful. I love the idea of like having those little moments. Cause like I said, our culture, it feels so performative. Like we're so focused on what does this look like to other people to have those little moments where, like you said, I'm going to put on music for five minutes. I'm just going to move or, you know, anything else. And it's just, I think we need more of those moments where it's like, this exists for me right now and nobody else. Um, So I just, I don't know. I think that's so beautiful. And it's so cool throughout this podcast to be able to like realize that and sort of put words to that. So thank you for that. Um, I would love to ask you my three closing questions. I'm really (laughs) excited. First, I would love for you to share um, a moment in your life where you were just truly and blissfully happy, where you were like this makes sense. This is why I was put on this earth or you were just sort of that really bubbly, warm, fuzzy joy. This is actually recent. I was, I believe it was New Year's Day. Yeah, it was the first and we had a lot of snow. It was just, it was coming down and you were going to either going to love it or you're going to leave it. And I'm not normally a snow person, this is so silly, but I love to look at it, but I don't like it to touch me. Okay? That's fair. That's fair. I'm a king. <laughs> I mean, I love the snow in Michigan, but just don't touch me. Mm-hmm. And I remember just saying, you know what? I'm going to go for a walk in this snow. And I put my headphones on and I was just walking and it turned into this almost four mile walk in snow. Wow. And I was completely wet. I mean, just like there was melty snow down my hoodie. It was just a whole thing. And it was one of those moments though, where I was kind of just lost in my thoughts and I was lost in music and I was lost in the snow. And it was just nice to just, I know I keep saying just be, but I think that's my phrase of 2021 is just letting it happen and letting life take you where it needs to take you. And it was the most mindless walk, but the most incredible way to start 2022 or 2021. Oh my goodness. Whoa. Got a little head there for a second. (laughs) Let's not skip a whole year. (laughs) I mean, Oh my gosh. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. Give it, give it a couple months. You know, it's so silly because it's something that we take so much for granted, you know, like the little things. And so I think it was nice to just let something just come to you and just embrace it. So that was Mm -hmm. um, a really nice way to just start the year, I think. 
That's so, that sounds beautiful. I'm with you. Like I love to be inside warm and like wrapped in a blanket watching the snow. But like if I have to drive in it or if I have to like put on boots, I'm like, this is just overkill. I'm not about sure. that. So I feel you. Sure. Uh, second question. So let's pretend for a moment that we wake up tomorrow morning and coronavirus is just magically gone. It just disappeared and we're not required to wear masks. Everything is open and it's safe. Um, what is the first thing that you go do? I want, oh, there's a couple things. I would <laughs> love to go hug my children, my little kiddos. Um, because I just haven't seen their little faces in so long, you know? Your, your dance them. kids? My dance kids, oh, yeah. Yes. So being able to go see their little faces and watch them perform and be without a mask and just show their love of dance, I think would be really, really cool. And I also would just love to be in a theater. <laughs> Yes. I would just love to watch your performance and watch people love what they do. That would oh. be amazing. Is there anything specific that you like really want to see? I think at this point, just about anything. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't even care what show it is. I'm in. I feel you. I'm in the same boat though. I would just, there's like this energy when you're in a theater and you're watching a performance. It's just, you can't get that watching something over zoom or watching sure. something online. It's not the same. You know what I was just thinking though? The what? last performance I saw was Radio City Rockettes with Katie and Sarah. <gasps> oh, did you get to see one of them in it? I saw Katie perform. Okay. Which oh my I goodness. That was the last time was in December in New York last year. Oh. So Emma and I are both friends with Katie and Sarah Daniel, who are Rockettes at Radio City Music Hall. And I'm hoping, fingers crossed, that they will be on the podcast as well. But yeah, I saw, I think I saw Katie perform one time. Yeah, it was Katie. And then I got to see Sarah after. But what, it, what was the last thing I saw? I think it, I actually think it was Hamilton when they oh, came to Grand Rapids in January. So that was, I guess, like a good way to like end it off, even though I didn't know it was ending. But um, yeah. that's a crazy thought. That was almost a year ago. Oh, man, I miss theater. Thank anyway, um, last to end on a happy light note, what are three things that you are grateful for today? I am extremely grateful for my health because I know that it's been a year of praying over health. And I'm extremely, extremely grateful that I am in a space to be employed and to love the work that I do. And I love that amidst the chaos, I've been able to do what I love, which is to be able to teach and to be able to take up space and enjoy music through movement, which has been a blessing in this last year. So um, just very grateful for all the things. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it so much. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, where can we find you on social media if people want to keep in touch with you? Yes, you can find me on Instagram at Emma Seidel, or if you're feeling pageantry, you can go Miss Wayne County. Yes. <laughs> and on Twitter, I believe it's Seidel Emma. So it's just backwards. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here, Emma. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. 
Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope that you enjoyed hearing from Emma as much as I did. There was something just so relaxing and light and warm and fuzzy about being able to talk and have this conversation with her. And I just appreciate her authenticity and her transparency so much. And I know that she is going to do the coolest things. So I hope that you guys choose to keep up with her on social media. And of course, if you want to keep up with us on social media, you can find us at Amplify the Arts on Instagram. 